Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 117. Today's episode, I interview Luke, Tex, and John from Power Athlete HQ. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to hear the best intro ever, why blood work and testing is so important, as well as who makes it into the guy's top five for a mastermind. Alrighty guys, welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have guys from Power Athlete Radio. Now, I want you to each uh, take a second, and what I always ask people is to share the highlights of your health journey, health movement, all of the above. So if we want to maybe go over the abbreviated version, and we can start diving in from there. How do we do this? Do we go like like senior down? Do we go best looking first? I, you know. I don't even know how we <laughs> get down this road. I mean, um, health journey. That well, is so well, you see, you you had a destructive journey oh, in the NFL. Well, well I'm, I'm going to jump in. Yeah, I'll you jump go in. first. Go for it. Uh, I guess uh, youth athlete through high school, uh, developed neck condition. Where is that really a health journey? Hang on, John. That's called foreshadowing. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> so it, I wasn't. I don't think that's foreshadowing. No. That's what is it? I don't think you know what foreshadowing. I think you're is. just telling no a foreshadowing. Story. There's four shadows. <laughs> uh. Got into college, couldn't play sports, decided to just lift weights and eat cafeteria food, and then got into a corporate gig, got a little bit out of shape. So what did I try to do to get back in shape? I forgot everything I learned about being an athlete and decided to run triathlons. Um, and that became the focus of my training and kind of did whatever the triathlete articles told me to do in terms of nutrition and training. Then found CrossFit, changed that shit up, went paleo, and uh, can we curse on here? Absolutely. Oh, all right. Fuck yeah. Uh, then after that, went to Say no. a Just CrossFit football seminar led by John Wellborn, which shifted my trajectory again uh, to more of an athletic style of training and a nutrient-dense diet. I mean, to put it, I guess, in an abbreviated sense. And then since then, it's just been refining that because I jumped on, joined the team, quit my corporate gig, stopped running triathlons, um, and Power Athlete was born when I was out working under John. So that's been now our, our guiding light, our North Star, is just everything under the Power Athlete methodology. 
I'm going to jump in before John. Okay, good idea. I'll, I'll be quicker. <laughs> um, collegiate lacrosse player, no strength and conditioning coach, no nutrition, even though I was studying, I guess, health sciences. It wasn't geared towards performance, kind of that uh, a longevity approach from the textbook. Uh, from there, I went to grad school, uh, grad assistant lacrosse coach, and studied health behavior change. So again, uh, they assumed you knew all the health stuff, and then it got into the psychology behind the things, but I still didn't necessarily understand the health stuff that actually would help my performance as an athlete. And uh, while I was coaching lacrosse, got into performance and then found uh, John here to at the CrossFit Football Seminar and got my first real exposure to, one, strength, conditioning, sports performance, as well as nutrition performance. And I believe my first um, lecture was from Rob Wolf and John, and they talked a lot about cheese. Ooh, the dream team. Talking yeah. about the dream cheese. So this Did is, we talk a lot about cheese? There was a Jeez. lot of cheese. I still got my notes. Oh, Didn't we wow. lock you in a dumpster? Yeah, I got out. Cheese. Yeah. So uh, kind of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> from there, um, that was, a, I guess, a exposure to the paleo diet. I actually wrote my thesis on uh, how to practically apply the paleo diet to a college male athlete. Um, I'm going to have to send it to you, John. It's 15 pages of glory. Did you use commas? Um, <laughs> or spell yeah. check. Are there yeah, one spell in, check. Are there one-inch margins? Uh, double space, because that's what... Is it cursive? Uh, no, it moving wasn't on. handwritten. Uh, from there, just kind of took that performance-based nutrition to uh, many different athletes and travel in the world. I guess working for Power Athlete, teaching people how to teach people to move and eat well. Wow. Damn, you guys have eclipsed me. John Wellborn, 10-year NFL veteran. Yeah, no, my um, my health and wellness journey started a long time ago, and it's always been surrounded around this idea of performance-based nutrition. Uh, since I was 14 years old, my singular goal was to get bigger and stronger to play football, and it ended up culminating, like Luke said, in a 10-year NFL career. Um, and you know, being systems kind of uh, detail-oriented in that way, where I look for patterns, uh, I could figure out like if I want to get bigger and stronger, I had to eat a lot to be bigger and strong, and I remember telling my mom, like, hey, I needed to take some supplements because I need to get bigger. And she was like, no, nah, we're not buying supplements. So then we went on what was called the pancake diet, where every meal was served with pancakes. And uh, I went from <laughs> 165 pounds at 14 years old to the next year at 205 pounds. Mm -hmm. And then next year was 225 and then 255. So I roughly gained close to 90 pounds and grew four inches in high school. And then I went to UC Berkeley where I um, played football there. And, uh, that was a really interesting exercise in how you eat for performance on roughly 300 to $400 a month of, um, you know, stipend money. So then uh, I got drafted in the NFL and uh, all of a sudden now I had slightly more money. Well, speaking of cheese, wasn't your first grocery encounter after signing bonus? You're like, I could buy all this cheese, all this fucking cheese. <laughs> I remember I went to, I, I went to this like high end grocery store in uh, Pennsylvania or in when I was living in Philly. And no, actually, I'm sorry. This is when I was in Berkeley, and I lived next door to this store called Andronico's, and I had just got signed, and I had all you know money in my pocket. I remember going in and being like, "I can buy all this cheese." Like, like there's that cheese. It's like twenty seven dollars a pound. I'm like, I'm gonna buy seven of those things. Um, you know, I had I could stop you know shopping on the bargain aisle and actually actually go get the nice stuff. Yeah, like the, the slightly gray yeah steaks. I'm like the two day old steaks that the uh, you know alcoholic meat cutter that was getting bombed on my couch every night would like give us for neck bones like those. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, where this thing really took a detour was, um, I just really lost faith, faith in the majority of, uh, doctors and health practitioners. Um, I just don't think that, uh, people really 
understand this stuff on a granular level, especially when you're talking about health and performance. And so that took me down a really interesting road and then, you know, culminated with me working with uh, Dr. Tom Anklodon at, um, you know, Cosenta Human Performance Specialist out in Arizona. I met Tom in 2002. And at that point, um, we just started doing blood work. So I get my blood work done a couple times a year. And really, we just start fine-tuning everything off the blood work with uh, supplements or necessarily uh, food modifications, food allergies. And uh, at that point, um, I realized that uh, practical medicine and the, um, you know, the trend of just, you know, pharmaceuticals and, uh, you know, prescribing a pill. I mean, I, I got really disenchanted just going to the doctor where they're like, well, I have a surgery or a pill. And that's all I can do for you. And I remember thinking... Um, these guys wasted all of this time in school and weren't necessarily more intelligent than me. They were just more stubborn and didn't get to go play in the NFL to basically be able to write a script for a drug or uh, prescribe me a surgery. And uh, at that point, I realized there needed to be something else and you had to expand it. The problem is, is people are lazy and they'll just go take the drug. Yeah. They won't make a lifestyle modification. They won't train. They won't find out experts like people like, um, you know, Craig Bueller and different people that'll necessarily manipulate and fix injuries. So um, for me, it just was... Uh, you know, this was part of my life because it was my job. It's what I did. It's what, it's what put on the food on the table and it's what I was passionate about. So it allowed me to really go deep. And, uh, at that point when I got out of the NFL and I started power athlete and CrossFit football and with this, a uh, big part of it was performance-based nutrition. And when I started talking about this, people didn't understand what it is because nobody really had that conversation that way. So what you're telling me is that you can make diet food modifications that necessarily make you bigger, faster, and stronger. Yes. Yes. And it's based off of recovery and performance ramping up immune function through increasing gut health, um, you know, more importantly, the small intestine being the window of the immune system. So, And just have kind of an idea of input versus output yeah. and the overall goal. But people don't track stuff. They don't track calories. They don't track – I mean, you know, now people are tracking macros. The only problem is the reason they're tracking macros is so that they can eat more bullshit. And if it fits and hit macros. The, the magic macro ratio for Pop-Tarts and yeah, and um, Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, you know, Lay Norton needs to diet heavy, uh, heavy in a filet of penis daily. Mm. And, uh, you know, if it fits his macros, he can eat lots of cock. So, Oh, tube steak. Yeah, tube steak. So, I mean, but it, it just goes back to um, really what Power Athlete's about is battle the bullshit. And um, don't be weird. You know, like be a normal person and like actually like take a systematic normal approach and base things in reason instead of this land of the Internet where fucking the most unreasonable uh, you know, most clandestine, useless bullshit is what people subscribe to. Like, simple, basic stuff. Eat real food, lift some weights, run a little bit, you know, walk a little bit, sleep more than you should, you know. And it's like, you know, we got a buddy who's on a huge weight loss gig, Harry, and he's a gym owner, and uh, he just life, he slipped, shit just slipped out from under him. He got really out of shape. And uh, so here he is, 45 pounds lighter, and everybody's coming up to him like, What's the secret? What's or, the secret? What are you doing? He's like, I'm eating hack. less. I'm no, eating less. Or, uh, I'm eating right. Or the other one he told me is people ask him, what's wrong? Are you sick? <laughs> oh, wow. So I don't know if he told, uh, he, he told no, you that. not that but, one yet. But think about this. I mean, when you see somebody make a, a significant life change, like they lose 45 pounds, what did they do? Oh, my God, you must have cancer or you must be sick because how else do you make a serious life change unless somebody sits you down? And, and he's already bald. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, uh, but I mean, that's, that's something that, that's very realistic and it's like. People don't, uh, you know, just randomly turn the corner at 43 years old and lose 45 pounds unless they get diagnosed with some yeah. crazy thing. Did you have a heart attack? Did you have cancer? Or this? He's like, no, I made a life change and started paying attention to what I'm putting in my face. And I started exercising. Daily. All it took was a firm John Wellborn boot to the ass to be like, Harry, get your well, shit together. Well, it's because um, everybody needs a come to Jesus moment, whether or not they believe yeah, it yeah. or not. Like on occasion, uh, and 
um, there was a, a really good book, and I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me, but um, I listened to a podcast on uh, Art of Manliness, and it, would, it had oh, a guy yeah. – uh, I'd recommend it, and you listen to it too. Yeah, yeah. But the guy wrote a book on um, basically a community – like it's like a tribes type deal, but how men exist within these kind of uh, you know small collectives – and within those small collectives, you have people that are, you know, leaders and, and kind of, uh, you know, students. But it, it really changes based on the dynamics. So, so in some ways, you're a leader. Some ways, you're a student. And it's really how we've, you know, evolved within our time with, uh, you know, structures. Like if somebody can hunt better in a hunter-gatherer sense, then you know what? He's the hunter. You're the assistant. But then, you know, you, you might go into food preparation and you're really good at butchering and uh, preparing the meat. So then the roles change. And it's like you have to have people that are multifaceted. And I think what happens is, is because we've gotten into this internet age where, you know, as men, we tend to, I don't know, either because you're married or whatnot, maybe your wife doesn't like your friends or, you know, you're sitting behind a computer all day or you go to a gym where you won't put on a set of headphones and don't necessarily associate with people. So you really lose this community aspect. And I think what we were able to help Harry with is uh, committing. We, we're really good in terms of the community aspect. You bring them in and you kind of have this come to Jesus moment. Like you're a 43 year old gym owner, you're 45 pounds overweight. First of all, you're going to fucking die and have a problem mm -hmm. or you're not going to have any clients because nobody wants to train with a fat trainer. And, and all of a sudden you hear this and you think to yourself, oh, wait a minute. Like these are the hard questions that unfortunately people don't want to talk about, which, you know, have to be talked about. So then he realizes that we're not trying to tear him down or hurt his feelings. We're build trying to empower him. Break the bill. Build and, the break. And we did it together. We turned it into yeah. kind of a, a company-wide team. team. And we said, you know what? We don't do anything solo. We're not telling you and pointing a finger. We're doing this, like showing the motion of us. Let's all do it together and we'll all do this thing. We call it corporate swellness challenge. Mm -hmm. I, I've and, seen um, a couple of things and just following the podcast, like that's what's so awesome about what you guys are doing is uh, like some of you guys were trying to lose weight at the one time. Some of you were trying to gain weight. And I mean, I bet, remember it was like based off a of percentage, but here's the uh, I remember. Like, it was, uh, so, so we had a deal. Together. Like, we we had to select. Uh, I lost ten percent. Cali lost ten. Select Luke and Tex assigned. had to well, gain ten percent. Tex was assigned. Yeah. <laughs> so the hilarious part is, and I and well, I, let, let and, me, and me. I'll send Luke. The, I sent him the picture the other day where uh, Luke's two fifty and I'm two sixty eight and he's roughly what like. 32. 247 on that day. I know, but what was your body fat? Oh no, it, it rang in at 23 percent or something, and it was awful. Yeah, and then uh, and then I'm at seven, and I'm in the mirror, nice and, Luke's, and, and, and like Luke's sitting in the back, and like I sent him this picture, and I'm like, ah, oh, I look at this picture at least once a week. Yeah, but where you know, John, like now that I'm sitting around at in 12 percent, just shredded babes. Did you wear no 12 percent, dude? You girls are dropping, like taking their tops off as they drive by, and throwing them at me like I'm fucking Mick Jagger in 1968. I did see you out there cutting along with your shirt off the That's other day. That's for my neighbor ladies, dude. They like that. Chandra, <laughs> Debbie, dude, they love that. Dude, it, the hard thing is, is um, people have really lost this idea of community and camaraderie. And, you know, uh, I, you know, having played football for all these years, like I was something I was really used to. And when I retired, I was amazed at how how people just didn't have it. And I think really what we saw with the rise of the CrossFit gym was the rise of, you know, really community. And I think it was uh, tied directly to it. I mean, unfortunately, uh, if you look at like, I know this is kind of a funny uh, parallel, but you know, CrossFit, you've seen this rise and, you know, you go from like when we came online, uh, you know, we're at the roughly around 600 gyms and now they're at 13,000. I bet you could track like a direct, you know, inverse relationship between attendees at like a local church and the CrossFit gym kind of going up mm -hmm. because, you know, where, where did people get their community forever? You know, I mean, you know, block parties, uh, yeah, you know, neighborhood I lived, church, yeah, right? like, like the neighborhood church, uh, cul-de-sac. And now that we've gotten into this more kind of digital age, 
where do people necessarily get interaction? I hope it's not on a oh, fucking worst. Uh, but I think, you know, with a, a CrossFit situation, people are going to the gym, they're interacting and, you know, you make people present, you know, and I've been, uh, since we've been out here, we, I've been training out at a commercial gym and what I'm amazed by is how people go out of their way to have no meaningful interaction every single time they walk into Gold's gym. Headphones on this, you know, here you go here. And if people do have to talk to you and I try to awkwardly engage people in conversation, Hey, can you use this machine? I'm like, why? What are you doing? They're like, what? I mean, what are you going to do with it? Then they do, they just pack their shit and leave. Oh no. <laughs> Well, they just walk away. Other than uh, Jesse what James, what would you like me to do? Uh, other than Jesse James, uh, you know, fam- uh, semi or famous motorcycle guy and uh, fabricator, uh, works out at the gym. And I made a comment about California. And uh, next thing you know, we're like, uh, you know, buddies. Did we just become best friends? I'm like, yep. this is so cool. But uh, he's like, man, this is like you're the first person to ever talk to me here. I was like, that's so weird. But you know, long story short, to go back to Harry, I mean, we what happens is is we're so. Um, adept and really just programmed to try to step on people to kind of move up. And unfortunately, uh, you know, that's a negative deal. You have to look down and see somebody. And if somebody within your crew or somebody within your group is stumbling a little bit, you, you know, you have to like, you know, give them a hand and a kick to the nuts at the same time. And I think we're really good about uh, doing a little bit of both. So that's our health journey. Yeah. And the slippery thing too is, you know, a lot of the folks may be listening to your show here, Nick, and just if you're a coach and you're trying, or I don't know, because of this isolationism, John, that you're talking about at like a Gold's Gym, when you try to make a very heavy change, whether for specifically weight loss, like no man is an island. Doing it alone is hard. So when you have a crew or you can get a crew together to just push each other, you know, iron sharpens iron, the proverbial, I guess, passage, it becomes a lot easier. And that mutual accountability is something that is lost without community. Right. So, well, I mean, that's why the like shows like The Biggest Loser are so successful. I mean, we uh, were out at Summer Strong and I had the opportunity to hang out with Gunnar Peterson and also Jen Wiederman. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's on The Biggest Loser. Uh, super cool chick. Um, you know, got to talk got to talk with her pretty extensively about The Biggest Loser. And uh, even though we know it's made for TV and whatnot, I mean, you know, you see what happens when you put people in one into shared suffering, which is you know why football players go to training camp. Why Marines go to basic training. I mean, it's really just shared suffering. But, uh, you know, in community accountability, you put money on the line. So, I mean, they've gone into this, you know, almost like created this rat trap where they've created things like uh, shared suffering, uh, you know, monetary prize, weekly this, and, you know, create these games to try to appeal to uh, human nature to really drive people into, you know, hopefully losing weight and, you know, embracing their their health and journey. But I, the, my, my only question for her was uh, at the end of the thing, how healthy are people? I mean, you know, if, if you're like just blood work, yeah, like, like if you're just focused on weight loss and like they, they bring in that guy and they do, they were doing, um, you know, DEXA scans and blood work and all this and they do pretty extensively. And she said, you know, when people leave the ranch, they're all pretty good. But then when they go home and they get focused on like this, like obsessive weight loss, cause the big, the one that loses the most wins the money. She says, that's when people tend to get a little unhealthy Yeah, and which is parallels the fact that they go home by themselves, you know? So Pretty interesting. Um, as far as even like the mental and emotional component of that, not just like you said, the being around, but how much, I don't know if they went into it with you guys, like what do they do besides like just tracking purely physical? I mean, are they getting any other support, uh, like psychiatrists, I mean, getting to talk to people, anything like that? I, you know, I didn't ask that, but I would imagine they would have to. Uh, I've worked with, um, you know, after I retired from the NFL, I owned a commercial gym and I actually worked and had uh, a client who was 
five two, roughly about two hundred and seventy five, almost two hundred and eighty five pounds, somewhere in there. And she was super heavy. And I remember our day one, our workout was, I want you to row twenty five meters, and we're going to do six step ups on the box. And she did that for two rounds in roughly about ten minutes, and almost died. And I remember uh, her being like, "I'm really far out of shape," and like being like, "You, yes, but uh, you know," and she's like, "I didn't realize it," and I'm like. Five two, almost three hundred pounds. How did you miss it? And the reason being is that you know it, it's easier to hide things. You know the brain tr- plays tricks on you, and a lot of times people to let themselves get that far out of shape, it's not just because they were lazy or uh, you know they had a hormone imbalance. Like something's a little broken inside, and so a big part of that thing comes back to what's wrong, what's the bigger issue. And I think the Biggest Loser does a great job in kind of diving into that because that's the emotional part, and that's what people connect to. Um, but you know most people don't really want to be in this situation and all of a sudden they find themselves in the situation that looks insurmountable. And, um, unfortunately if they could pull themselves out and I'm not saying not everybody can't, but because a lot of people do make a significant life change, but it usually takes something pretty drastic. Like you have cancer, you're sick, you're, you know, something here. And just for Harry, it was, uh, you know, realization that, you know, Hey, I wanted to be healthy for not only for my gym and for my business, for my kids. And, uh, the fact that, um, you know, I have a a group of friends here that aren't going to allow me to, you know, live within mediocrity. So I think, uh, just, you know, some accountability and, um, it all probably goes back to like, I mean, what'd you say? Like almost, uh, a younger age when, you know, you had your buddies and if somebody was, was slipping up, you probably were like, Hey man, like. Yeah, get your shit together. Or you had enough pride to not want to be left behind. And uh, that's been really good. So, no, I mean, our our health and wellness journey is kind of an interesting one in that uh, not only we deal with performance and providing training programs and really coaching and trying to bring people along on their journey in terms of educating them as uh, athletes and coaches, but providing them some sound nutritional practice because, man, that seemed to me like such a missing element when I first got out of the NFL, how uneducated people were just about some really basic things like, you know, I, and, um, people really get steeped in folklore, uh, folklore with food. Um, you know, like, Hey, uh, don't eat this. Why? Well, I can't eat this. You shouldn't eat this. Well, why would you think we're the same? How would you know? And so doing like, you know, just going in some food allergy testing done has always been really beneficial for me. I remember 2001, I got food allergy testing done and I was allergic to uh, wheat, rye and soy and a partial to corn. And every other or every time else since then that I've done an allergy test, I've been allergic to those same foods. And you guys will test if I eat wheat, rice, soy, or corn, shit ain't good for any of us. No. You know. I not mean, in the hotel room. Yeah, no. not in the hotel room, not in the car. I mean, it just it, – and I know this, so I avoid these foods. But yet I've run into people being like, oh, really? I shouldn't eat those things? So um, it just – just trying to offer a, a, an island of, um, you know, good stuff. And really it's just come down to this idea of eat real food and, you know, let your performance necessarily dictate it. Like, uh, if you can eat a certain way and it allows you to get bigger and stronger, then you know what, keep eating that way. So it shouldn't necessarily be overly complicated. Um, and then for the most part, uh, I'm a big proponent of, uh, getting blood work done. I think, um, you know, with, with supplements and really just understanding, uh, people don't, you know, they want to kind of take the ostrich approach and bury their head in the sand and they don't want to start figuring this stuff out until they get sick. Like, for example, uh, I'm not going to go to the doctor cause I don't want to know if I have prostate problems and then I'm 40 and I got to go get checked. Okay. Well, you can go get your blood work done and see a PSA number for years. Uh, you know, if you have a history of heart disease, there's a, you know, a blood test you can get done through the Cleveland clinic. That'll tell you exactly where you are within it. Like when I got my genetic stuff done, I had a genetic, uh, propensity towards some heart disease. So I got the Cleveland Clinic done and had no uh, risk and had none of the factors available for it. So that one kind of gets wiped out. 
Uh, for me, you know, genetically, I had some blood sugar issues. I know I always have high blood sugar, so I make sure my triglycerides are nice and low. So, I mean, I think you can monitor and figure these things out if you're given the information. The problem is a lot of people either don't know how to do it or don't really understand it or aren't really in a place to get it. Well, it's, or it's too expensive. Well, but most people have insurance these days. I mean, uh, and and uh, as you know, I mean, I just got all my blood work done and it was covered all by insurance. Um, oh, not us, man. We uh, so our insurance. We got lower than you guys because you have kids. But you know, for us, it was for Ash and I. It was like forty five hundred bucks. Okay, which is a huge investment. But, but it's not though in the grand scheme of things. It isn't because if you look at it, let's say if you if you accrue that on a monthly payment schedule or savings schedule, you put away three hundred fifty bucks a month for a huge panel. And then a secondary, you know, another couple hundred bucks for a secondary panel. Like, it's just, it's not if you do it right. And, you know, Dr. Tom, when I was talking, so Dr. Tom Inkledon, for anyone who's listening, is a crazy mad scientist out of Arizona who is John's guy. And I, after I met him, I realized that this is the guy, like, this yeah, is the guy I want in my corner. So well, the, uh, that's where my girlfriend and I get our work done. And it's, you know, it, it can't, long story short is he'll work within your budget. But, you know, what he said is people look at this shit like an expense. It's a necessity, man. But it shouldn't be an expense. It should be – you should perceive this as an investment, right? Like uh, – Well, well I'll, I'll just give you a little example. Ahead, so um, I met Dr. Inkledon years ago. Um, when I went to the Kansas City Chiefs, they had me living in a hotel. And uh, ever since the, I was there six, almost eight weeks living in this hotel while I was out there training. So I hadn't found a house and they were going to put me up. So I was just staying at this hotel. Every day I was in that hotel, I got sicker and sicker. Like all of a sudden it started with like a cough and a sore throat and then my lymph nodes were swollen and then I started just feeling worse and worse and worse. And then by the time I moved out of the hotel and found a house and moved in, I just felt awful all the time. My body ached. All of a sudden my hair got gray, got thin. I was losing muscle. I ended up like tearing my groin off the bone in one of the last games and they put me on IR. And I remember I was feeling so bad I got on PubMed and I put in my uh, symptoms and it told me I had leukemia. So don't ever do that because that's not, I didn't have leukemia. Uh, so I called one of my best friends and I was like, dude, I got leukemia. He's like, bro, you ain't got leukemia. But he goes, if you do, there's a doctor I want you to talk to who's super sharp on this stuff. He used to work with people at the Mayo Clinic. He'll find it. So I, uh, he gave me his number. I went and met with him. And it was this guy, Tom Inkledon. And Tom did pretty extensive blood testing on me. And he called me a few days later and said, hey, uh, I got back a bunch of the tests. And of the 10 types of toxic mold that I tested you for, because we just did a battery of everything, he said, you have toxic levels of all types. And he's like, it's shut down every system in your body, and you're basically suffering from mold poisoning. I was like, fuck, how, how did this happen? He's like, uh, and we went through, and I was like, man, I felt sick at that hotel. So I went out there. He got me on a bunch of antivirals, a bunch of IVs, whole deal. Within three weeks, I was fine. When I went back to Kansas City, I went to that hotel, and they had shut that hotel down because one of the employees had gotten Legionnaire's disease which is um, uh, an uh, airborne deal with uh, there's black mold in the, in the air conditioning ducts, and it's a respiratory deal, and people die from it. So they ended up quarantining, shutting that place down and tearing it to the ground because it had such bad mold. So uh, that's how I found Tom and then uh, just really started our journey that way. And um, at that point, you know, I was you know, getting pretty extensive blood work done and figuring everything out. And the crazy part is if I had done and gone with the team doctors and what conventional doctors were telling me, I probably would have ended up in a cancer treatment center. And instead of uh, just them figuring out like, hey, dude, you got toxic mold exposure. So at that point, um, and I'd gone seeing the team doctors for months telling them something was wrong and they were like trying to prescribe me all these different drugs. It just needed some antivirals and a little bit of rest and some IVs and all of a sudden that was fine. Um, so at that point, I, I kind of realized that, hey, man, if I'm going to stick around and I need to be smart, I need to be proactive and just started working with Tom in terms of getting my blood work done and, um, you know, and then figuring out where I was micronutrient deficient and sort of fixing a lot of those things. 
Uh, I got my kids tested. I got my wife tested. My parents are out there. Um, everybody that I, you know, that's close to me, we ended up going out there and getting their work done. And the reason being is you can pay a little bit more and know this stuff, or you can bury your head in the sand, not know anything. And then all of a sudden something drastic happens. Like for example, he's out, you know, you're on the hook for tenfold. Yeah. I mean, he's out there, uh, you know, uh, treating people for cancer right now. And, um, I remember, you know, I was rapping with, um, you know, he's treating a gal right now who, uh, has the rarest form of bone cancer ever established. So there were 30 cases. Uh, she was in stage four. Um, they basically sent her home to die and said, there's nothing we can do. Um, he brought her in and within two weeks or sorry, within two months, she was stabilized. And within three months, they found no, no damage to her bones. And it's, it's a little girl, right? Yeah. She's Child. 18 years old oh, Yeah, she's 18, 18 years old. And I'm sitting there, you know, I talked to her, I talked to her parents and really about the journey. And, um, you know, it's a situation where people are looking at cancer as this, you know, we got to find this drug or this, and it's, it's not a, a it's not a, a, a wide spectrum thing. The cancers for her was based off of a, you know, she had a very uh, interesting genetic deficiency. Uh, and you know, there was just a lot of key factors and they necessarily had to figure out how to treat her cancer as an individual. And that took pretty extensive testing. So about a hundred thousand dollars later worth of testing, they've effectively figured out how to do it. And they've got her stuff, you know, on the, on the, you know, on the mend, but it's like thinking to myself, I'm like, so how do you prevent yourself from getting here? Is it, was it early detection? How do you do this stuff? And he's like, yeah, if you're getting your blood work done, they should be able to see these patterns and trends over time and hopefully railroad things or stop things before, you know, they go on. Like, um, you know, case in point, I lost my half sister last year. Um, she went in with a stomach ache to the doctor, went into Kaiser and for over three months, she kept going and them telling him she had a stomach ache, a stomach ache, something's wrong. I can't eat whatever. You're fine. You're fine. They prescribed her an acids, all the deal. She finally goes in there where she can't even drink a glass of water without throwing up. They finally put her on a scan and found a huge tumor mass in her stomach and she was gone three weeks later. So for three months, she went in there complaining and they kept telling her it was indigestion. And then finally she comes in when she can't drink water and now she has such a large tumor mass. So what do they do? They hook her up to a uh, glucose IV and a drip of morphine, which anybody knows, you know, uh, tumors like that really grow off of sugar and also opiates. And they basically hooked her up to some superfood for, the, t- for the, the tumor and they said they'd never seen a tumor grow that fast and she was gone in three weeks. And you know what? Here's a deal where if they had been doing blood work and doing the due diligence that they said, they should have been able to see this for a long time. They would have they would have looked at her A1C. They would have looked at her red, red and white blood cell counts, and they would have been able to figure this stuff out. But it's because we're in such a reactive mode that people aren't really in this, like, proactive uh, step. I mean, it's like how many people are like, ah, oh, my shoulder hurts. I'll just keep going. And then all of a sudden more and more stuff happens. 90%. So, yeah, because it's easier. You know, it's too expensive. You have to go to a doctor and a lot of times the doctors aren't necessarily giving you the, you know, the, or the, sorry, they're providing the standard of care, which is, you know, in court, if they sit there with other three doctors, would you've done the same thing? Yes, we would have. So I just think as a consumer and when I say consumer, because your product is your body and your health, you have to be so proactive and, um, I don't trust people. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been lied to in the NFL. I mean, I told you I played 17 weeks with a broken leg. I took a helmet to the shin broke my fibula clean in half and the doctor after examining me told me you don't need this bone to play football. So they casted me for five days. I played three weeks later and basically played 17 weeks with a completely fractured uh, fibula, which they told me was only a 12% weight bearing bone and you can play football with this broken leg. So I played 17 weeks and you know what happened? Uh, my calf spasmed so bad it basically ripped off the bone and now I got a detached calf. But you know what? You don't need that calf to play football either. So they weren't wrong. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I remember when my calf ruptured, they, I was on the sideline and they're like, can you stand up on your toes? And I'm like, yeah, you know, not realizing that when your legs are straight, you work your 
gas rock, right? And when your knees are bent, your soleus. Well, I told the tore the soleus, not the gas uh-huh. rock. So, uh, and then after the game, they took everything off. They cut it off, and I had this huge divot on the inside of my leg. And I'm like, oh, shit. And they're like, well, you still played. You're fine. I mean, it's not like you're going to go in and, uh, you know, get a surgery mm-hmm. to fix that. And I'm like, well, this killed my bodybuilding career, and forever I'm going to be on the internet. Your bodybuilding with assholes, career. Uh, some asshole telling me, dude, what's wrong with this left calf? It's just, you know. That's Luke's ghost account. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> assholes. People are like, what's wrong with his, what, what, he doesn't train legs on that left calf? I'm like, dude. I'm flexing tore all my calf muscles right now. So, flexing uh, them all. Like, and I think, like, I'm slightly, well, I'm, I know I'm slightly jaded from having played in the NFL and you play in this meat grinder. But you know what? Here's the thing. Because we go in, and, like, I always laugh. Like, my, uh, my neighbor's got, um, you know, smoked for, like, 30 years, two packs a day, and he's got a lot of problems from it. And he's like... I remember being a little kid and going in uh, to see the doctor and the doctor having a cigarette on his lip. And his mom, he remembers, he was little. He was like, went to see the doctor and the cigarette or the doctor was smoking and his mother was smoking in the doctor's office. And he's like, I didn't think smoking was bad. So then, you know, like here's a situation where like the doctors are doing it. Well, it must be okay. I mean, I just think as a educated consumer and even a doctor, like you have to be, you know, on top of everything and you know the idea that you know that you know everything just doesn't exist because there's so so much new information coming out daily i mean and uh, yeah after seeing with dr tom for the last couple days i mean the the war on cancer is one we are losing dramatically because you know it's being driven by drug companies and it doesn't need to be get solved that way so it's a scary deal man so that's us in a nutshell dude (laughs) well after we're only going like a half hour intro so that's that's pretty good uh no, but all this that we're talking about right now, I'm just curious, like, what are you guys currently geeking out on? Like you said, you've gotten a lot of these things, like, simplified, but what is it that you're just really passionate about now, maybe even, like, fine-tuning uh, for yourself? Uh, the ability to to simplify the messaging so that other people could be as effective as us. And I guess this is us tooting our own horn because we, we've had plenty of reps, uh, hundreds of seminars around the world. Tex, what's the – how many countries, how many continents? Uh, well – for you personally, twenty-four and six continents. So I'm 20, 25 and seven. Is that no, you're, you're one less? I got one. The only thing I got you on is one continent. Which continent? Uh, where are we at? Well, shit. I guess we got John. No, because we've been to Africa. Yeah, you guys we've been, been to Africa. Asia yeah. No, you, and uh, Australia. Uh-huh. I've been to. Um, I, I haven't been to Africa or Asia. Oh, so we. So you guys got me by we two. We both got six, Luke. Both of us. Yeah, both. Okay, so uh, but no, we've had reps, and um, the message is refined. And one thing with working with John and being part of the Power Athlete crew is there is a an impressive rolodex of people you get FaceTime with in person, and you know. Uh, just like with anything, you take everything with a grain of salt, and then when you start hearing common messages among some experts in various fields, you really kind of just up your game. And uh, you probably the, the, you start with parroting the information, then you start with understanding it and looking into it. So I guess what I'm saying is we put together and packaged up a pretty legit off-the-shelf like, hey, you want to get better? Do these things. And uh, now we're just trying to spread that message virally, and that's kind of the idea behind the Academy Project is – getting coaches on board because when you talk about like health and wellness, I don't know the way I think of it and I don't want to put words in these guys mouth, but it, you know, John sums it up with form follows function. You know, if you, if you want to be an apex performer, then you need to have all your shit in a row. And the byproduct there is going to be health. You know what I mean? Like, well, well you then, ultimately you need to be a healthy, uh, see, this is a hard thing. And if you remember, um, you know, Rob Wolf created, which I always laugh about is the uh, health and wellness 
continuum, continuum, which is not a continuum. It's actually a spectrum. But That's right. at the CrossFit level one, when you say that, they uh, they like fucking head spins around three times because they're not allowed to have independent thought anymore. But you think about the idea of like health and wellness that when you start going over to the performance side, all of a sudden you get away from wellness and you take a look like who is one of the most dominant athletes in the history of the world, Lance Armstrong. I mean, and you talk about a guy who not only fought through cancer, but also had the most advanced systematic drug protocol in the history of, of, of professional sports. Now, could you say he was healthy? I don't know, but I can't imagine somebody taking that level of drugs was a healthy person, but he was fucking by far the most, one of the most dominant athletes. And you know what the crazy part is people fucking chastise him for that. Fuck that dude. That guy was uh, uh, to guinea pig himself for that level of performance. Dude is admirable to me now. Um, so I guess, but let me to clarify when I, the, the population I'm referring to is the, the bell curve who can devote yeah. maybe eight per eight hours a week sure. to a, a training well, practice. If they were to train the, and do their best impersonation of the foundation of Lance Armstrong's training, it would put them in a better place. And there's sure. no way they would push okay. themselves I, to that end of the spectrum. I 100% yeah. agree with you. Now, the, the the issue becomes risk versus reward and time, like time invested versus max return. And I always think about like uh, whenever we discuss, you know, performance, training, business, anything, I always think first – What's low-hanging fruit? And I learned that from my good friend Rob Wolf, who's constantly looking for the low-hanging fruit in life because he's short and can't not as tall as me, so he can't reach high on the tree. Yeah, but he can strike a, a oh. caribou with an atlatl. <sighs> Dude, he's a fucking right? savage. Is that what he's shot but, uh, <laughs> but whenever, but when Robbie and I ever talk, and I kind of because I'm big on these like you know, uh, you know, very uh, intrinsically motivated like kind of deep things, and he's like, Johnny, what's the low-hanging fruit here? What's the easy approach? What's the easiest thing we can pluck? And uh, when I and I, I'll tell you, Rob's influence on me has been huge. Is just not only a friend, but as a you know, kind of a mentor in a lot of ways. But really thinking about that, when people get into the training stuff, I think what's the biggest return on investment? Now, what happens is, is that we always think like this little piece right here, that this this unique sliver that I somehow came across is the one that's going to make a difference. Um, I taught a seminar just to go into a, an example. I taught a seminar years ago, and this guy sitting in the front row was like wearing this like weird homemade loincloth and he had these shoes that he had made out of leather and he was sitting there shirtless and he wasn't in good shape. Uh, he was extremely puffy and just looked very inflamed and he was over there drinking this like weird concoction out of this, uh, fucking massive Mason jar. And finally I like, as I'm talking with them, I'm like, what the fuck is it? That smells awful. He's like, Oh, it's uh, raw goat milk, um, mixed with raw cre uh, cow dairy, uh, I have like 27 raw eggs and then raw chocolate. And he like went through this whole thing that like this powerful elixir he was going to drink was like the fucking the deal for him. And I was like, dude, like, first so of all, they, it smells they branded it. and it, It's called Kill Cliff now. <laughs> yeah. It, so it, it's like he, he 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 had gone into this like raw food diet thing where he was eating all this food raw and he was like drinking this fucking like this stuff seriously smelled like a goat hurt his asshole. Uh, and. I remember being like, okay, so um, what's the performance? Oh, this is it. And I'm like, well, have you seen any, any gains here? He's like, well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like, because, dude, you're by far the most out of shape person here, so I don't know what you look like before. <laughs> but in terms of the barbell stuff and what we did for performance, you were by far one of the weakest. So, I mean, where did you come from in this? And he was like, showed me a picture, and the dude looked dramatically better before he had. I'm like, dude, you look so inflamed. I don't really think, and he was trying to argue with me that, like, not cooking your food, eating things raw. And I'm like, dude, the – Second thing that man did after they made fire was they threw meat on it and had a barbecue, right? I mean, it's it's really why it's why we created fire. It wasn't warmth. It wasn't defense. 
it was so that we could cook something uh, that was good, like a barbecue. Because, I mean, think about this. Here we are millions of years later, and what's our favorite thing to do? Fucking barbecue. It's not like, hey, I'm cold, let's start a fire. No, we put on a coat. Hey, you know what? These guys chasing me. I'm going to get a fucking stick that on fire and wave them off. No, I'm going to go fight that dude. But you want to have a barbecue? We're going to get together and we're going to eat some meat. So um, as I'm talking him through this, I'm like, dude, why is it that you would think that this would take you down? He's like, man, I read this thing. It seemed really impassionate. And I'm like, let's just take the non-crazy person approach. What do you think would be the most advantageous performance kind of matrix kind of landscape to go into? And I, and I asked the people and they were like, I don't know. And they all kind of like gave me these things. And I'm like, it's not fucking drinking Kangen water. It's not, uh, you know, your green foods. It's not like, and I went through all these kind of different fads. It's not the seven bottles of, of fucking Mona V that you were able to, you know, store in your garage while you got hustled on a multi-level marketing scheme. Like, what is it? It's, is it the barefoot shoes? And I kind of went through all these things and I'm like, let's go back to what we know. It's sleep, right? So sleep is like our number one ally in this stuff. Eat real foods and do some form of training that looks like lift weights, do some active recovery, you know, do some metabolic conditioning, go long, go medium, go short. You know, if you want to take the CrossFit stuff with the constantly varied heat, Greg Glassman hit it out the park, lift some weights. Some days you go heavy, some days you go hard, some days you go light, some days you go heavy. I mean, intensity, you know, different uh, levels of intensity and, um, you know, sleep, uh, you know, like, a, you know, my grandmother told me live like a farmer, not a bartender. And, um, you know, eat basic foods, eat real stuff, you know, like nobody ever got strong out of a vending machine, which was George Zang, a seal powerlifter that trained me, who told me this, an old Greek guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, 14 years old, he's talking to me about Vince Garanda's, you know, Stone Age diet, which was an early paleo thing. And uh, he's like, you know, those guys got jacked eating like that. So, uh, like, as I started talking with these people at this seminar, I was like, do you think that it's the 27 raw eggs and chocolate and raw food that this guy's doing? Or over here where you sleep, you eat some good food. We do some conditioning and you actually have a social life that doesn't involve me, you know, him wearing a loincloth. And everybody's like, well, actually, what you're talking about seems less crazy and more doable than this obscure life of like, you know, homemade shoes, loincloth and all this raw stuff, which the dude was highly inflamed. And uh, I'm like, dude, because here's the problem. We are conditioned to believe that the most advanced, most, you know, extreme, extreme secretive thing is what's going to get me there. And it's not. Like if you look at any of our programs like Bedrock, for example, which is just based off of a very standard, very simple five basic barbell movements, some, assist, uh, some assistance, some conditioning, and it follows a basic linear progression. Where do I start? I don't know. Put a bar on your back. Every time you come in, you're going to have five pounds to the bar, and eventually it's going to get heavy. Now, it might be in three weeks. It might be in six months. It might. I hope it never gets heavy, and all of a sudden you squat 1,000 pounds in a couple of years. But like just systematically approaching these things and trying not to overwhelm yourself, but for, for this health and wellness and this fitness, man, people like they just go deep and they get stuck in these little ruts and this is it, you know, like all of a sudden this is going to be the difference. Like the one I've been battling with uh, recently is um, ketone esters and ketone salts. I've been I've probably gotten and I'm shit you not 25 emails in the last two weeks asking me to comment on this and we tested it and I'm a fan of the ketogenic diet. The problem is, is that just eating your normal diet and taking ketone esters is not going to do the same as being in a ketogenic state. You can use ketone esters to get you into a ketogenic state and help you stay there. And then your body produces ketones, but exogenous ketones do not act in the same way as your body producing ketones. But yet, what have they been told? Continue to eat your westernized diet and all you got to do, you know, 60% carb, you know, 10% protein, you know, whatever it looks like and take the ketone esters. But then they got to buy more esters, right? But that's where, yeah. 
I mean, it's like it, it's just a really interesting thing, man. It's like the day we figure out how to charge people to sleep. Like that's the one I want. That's my multi-level market. Oh, you slept eight hours. Probably, with the yeah, yeah. Be, be like, hey, that, like that'll be thirty-seven fifty. A subscription yeah. sleep club. Be, be like, hey, um, you have to pay me fifty dollars to sleep, or you can't sleep. Oh, you fell asleep. I'm gonna have to zap you until you pay me my money. I mean, like, dude, like, it shouldn't be this complicated. But unfortunately, the more complicated something is, the more appeal uh, it has. Yeah, well, the more appeal it has, or the easier it is to separate you from your money. And I think most of the things. Uh, are designed merely just to kind of separate you from your money because you, you know, they assume most people are either lazy or they don't know and they're going to take value as experts. And um, it's like uh, it's like supplements, for example. You see this dude and this chick that are super jacked on this protein thing, and even though you know that they're not jacked because they took that protein, after you've seen it more than three times, and we know this based off of just marketing, you start associating that protein with this. I mean, and I, I had a food company, and we went through all this stuff. And I did not put models on our stuff. I actually put our logo and really talked about like this is what it does. And it wasn't nearly as successful as me just putting a, a you know jacked model because they know within behavioral science that if you see it enough, even though you know, you start associating it. So Metrics got in trouble years years back because they had a fitness yeah. model, right? And then they paid him to get fat. Yeah. So they reversed the picture. So they had him day one. Hey. Just ate like an asshole for 30 days, took the picture, 60 days, and then on the ad, they just reversed it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they got super. Classic flim flam. No, well, if you need any jacked fitness models, John, for anything, text me. You always, guys are looking handsome. Thanks. But uh, like, that's Nick, you're included Nick, in that. So uh, just for the it's record. It's all about the beards. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's one thing John's <laughs> well, well, you know what my dad told me? A, beard's, a guy with a beard has a weak chin. Yeah, the only reason you would ever have to grow a beard was if you had a weak chin. But we all know out of the three here, I have the most prominent. I don't know. I can't see you. you. We spent six years together. You, you look like a uh, 70s Pretty porn weird. star and not the face, the bottom on the chicks. Ooh, I like that. So, uh, Nick, um, like – Dude, we talked the whole time, and and uh, you know, as you can tell, we do podcasts, so we have a pretty good banter. But uh, can you like um, inform me a little bit? I mean, uh, uh, you know, like your podcast, the health and wellness deal. Like, what's yeah. the goal of it? Like, like, like who, like who's your audience, and who you're collecting? Uh, like, like who are you hoping to adopt? And more importantly, who are you educating? Like, just because me selfishly, I'm I'm just interested to know who your audience is. And even though Luke sent me all this information, I'm just really kind of geeked on like you know who you are and like what you're doing in terms of this fight. So, well, I mean, actually, I'm in my office right now. I'm about to, this afternoon, get out in the clinic. Like, I'm a physical therapist. So I have a fair amount of, like, other PTs uh, and just similar healthcare practitioners that really uh, follow. And that's one thing that's big for me because the whole PT world, not the whole PT world, I, I say that, but it's, I still just see, like, talking about, like, the, the doctor smoking. Like, I still see fat, sick, like, other PTs, and it just drives me up a freaking wall, right? Uh, so, I mean, that's one of them, but I mean, also competing strong, man. So definitely have some strength athletes in there as well. Uh, and that's kind of like the, the basic overview, but for me talking about like, okay, the, like the, the personal side of it, like, I want to get the best of the best on the phone and get to talk with them for if, whether it's five minutes, whether it's five hours, like whatever you can kind of get, because that's what it's all about. Like you said, like the, the Rolodex that you guys have built up is just like going to just continue to expand and. The coolest thing about it is, and I say this so much, is just you keep hearing the same things over and over. And hopefully it's just one of those people that says it, it clicks with somebody and it can actually have that impact on their life. And that's, I think, what it is for me. I, I think it's hoping to help uh, more of the physical therapists 
because they are the ones in the clinic. They're seeing, I mean, I might see 15, 20 people in the day. And if I can have that impact by showing it, by living it, by embodying like what it is to be for me strong and healthy, like I, I like to think that I can at least have a little bit more uh, influence and be able to share that and then be able to have a nice resource like this where I can say, Hey, you want to hear more about this? Like we can talk about it here. Don't believe me. Don't even listen to me if you don't want. Go listen to these other couple hundred people I've talked to that are far and above like where I'm at. Listen to them and they're going to be saying some of the same things, but whatever works for you. Now the uh, the interesting thing with PTs and um, something that I've, I've always felt like is the missing component. And, uh, you know, and I get an email, geez, at least every three days on this, is people that have some surgery coming back from injury. I got two consults here in the next couple of days with guys who are trying to figure out how to create the bridge from I'm out of surgery. I'm working with the PT who's trying to work on function and getting range of motion back and uh, all of a sudden get me out of pain and really help me on my journey. And then all of a sudden there's like that ends where all of a sudden like, okay, your function is better. Um, you know, here's your rehab protocol. And how do you go from this? Like, uh, I'm getting you back to being somewhat normal and their definition of normal is like, you know, being able to walk normal gait, all this other stuff, and then be able to kind of bridge the gap to get you over to us where we start talking about performance and the idea of like, Hey, I want to get stronger. I want to get back. I want to get back to who I was. And it's really interesting because the PTs and especially like, you know, you go work with like, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, whether it be a uh, Cairo or what we talk about, like, you know, people that do soft tissue or body work or osteopath, whatever it is, they're so focused on this idea of getting people out of pain. So, you know, pain is this marker, like, you know, like we had a gal who came in and she, we, we used to have a, uh, a Cairo PT on staff and the girl was front squatting. She had a you know bad movement pattern, injured her back. He takes her in, does some work on her and tells her to stop training, and lifting weights. And I went in there. I was like, why would you tell her to stop? He's like, well, if she stops lifting weights, she's going to be out of pain. And my job is to literally get her out of pain. And I, I like looked at him and like, we are completely not aligned in today's your last day. And I fired him because his deal should have been like, here's how I get her back into a position that she can start training and then, you know, get back into what she wants to do. Just telling her to go walk on the beach and do yoga two days a week and, uh, you know, just avoid pain is not helping her get where she wants. So I always think, especially with PTs, uh, that idea of like, you know, somebody gets injured, they come to you, um, you know, you, f you either fix them in terms of like managing their pain, helping their movement pattern, allowing them to get better. But then all of a sudden, like, how do you take them back to somebody like us where we're like, all right, dude, I want to get you ready to do X, Y, and Z. And I want you to be, um, you know, performance, I want you to squat double body weight and jump and do all these things. And I think that Grand Canyon is really where people kind of get lost. They don't know how to leave you and get to us. And so anytime like I've, and I really talked to Starrett about this quite often and, you know, uh, Mike from move you and these guys is, uh, you know, how do we create this? And more importantly, how do we kind of push them back into performance-based training? And I think there needs to be like this almost like, um, blending between, um, you know, physical therapy and strength coaches to try to like figure out like, and I've, I've written this program for people. It's like, all right, we're going to start with a simple basic program and we're going to allow it to progress. And then as you master movements, we start going into more complexity. And, uh, and I think it's because most people in our deal don't understand the PT side and people that are PTs don't necessarily understand the strength conditioning side. So they don't necessarily know where the two meet and they're kind of like ships passing in the night. Yeah, and Anthony Lowe, the, our buddy, he calls himself the physio detective is really, you know, his He's, analogy is my job is to open the window, you know, whether it's pain or restriction or, uh, dysfunction, he goes through his assessment, which is elaborate. He posted it recently on his social, um, and he opens the window 
And then while that window is open, he hand, he goes, then you take him and you put him on the strength coach's side or movement coach or whoever they have, right? And then you try to train within the new found uh, ability. He's like, now the goal is to make that is to permanently open that window. So what he does to open the window and what the coach does to try to keep that window open, if there's no progression in like, uh, you know, oh, okay, so it lasted for 20 minutes and 30 minutes and an hour, then a day, then two weeks. That's what he likes to see, you know, and that's the collaboration he's put together, you know. So I think that's an interesting way that he's always put it to me because I've been jammed up and I've gone to other practitioners and they haven't helped me. And then I've traveled to Sydney, Australia, seen Ant, and in five fucking minutes, he's like, voodoo witch doctored me, you know. No, no, so. Ant's, Ant's really good. I mean, for I, I just always think like there has to be something in terms of the blending of the two. And I'm sure you have people come into their clinic and unfortunately they only come to you when they're injured. So well, then you're that's like, a big part of it is pain injury is the end of the spectrum like that pain's been coming on for because usually what i see is not not as nearly as many surgical post-surgicals it's just chronic pain it's like you've been in pain for a year for five years for 10 years well that was starting 30 years before that like just based on you sitting you're slouching you're eating shit like all this is just inflaming you and you're just breaking down it's like pain is only the last marker if that's all you eliminate you're still screwed in the end you got to go beyond that but isn't that really people's biggest, uh, like marker for just about anything? Like I'm, you know, like, uh, I've been going through my, my, uh, workman's comp here in, or for the state of California and, uh, you know, going through all these things, the question is, well, how much pain are you in? And it's like pain don't hurt. Well, like, and, and it's such a relative thing. Like, like, and, and I always think about this and this was really interesting owning a commercial gym is somebody would talk to me about like pain and this was unmanageable. And then they would tell me what it is. And I'd be like, wait a minute, what? Like I remember uh, somebody had a plantar ward on their foot and they told me it was so painful uh, to walk that they couldn't train. And I was like, wow, I've never had a plantar ward. These sound awful. And then I researched what a plantar ward was and I went back to them and I was like, are you, are you shitting me? Like it's a wart underneath the skin. You can basically take a, a scalpel and just kind of core it out. Like we could remove it right now. I got a pocket knife in the back. And they were like, no, it's like somebody driving a spike through my foot. And then I got into this kind of idea of pain matrix. Um, pain neuromatrix theory. Pain neuromatrix theory that people's perception of pain based off of a whole bunch of different factors is, is not similar. So and when it's somebody not, it's asks, not indicative of damage yeah. as well. So, so, I mean, somebody can say, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, how painful is this? And that's an emotional response. Like for some people it might be a, be a 10 and then for other people it might be a 1. And so, uh, like, how do you necessarily treat people where pain is their only necessarily feedback for whether or not something is wrong? And so then I look at other things. I'm like, well, pain, since I know pain is a useless marker, it has to be range of motion. It has to be movement. It has to be strength. It has to be understanding, you know, the ability to challenge posture and position through external resistance with barbells, you know, the ability to move through space, you know, um, you know, seamlessly and effortlessly to combine primal movement patterns in terms of athleticism. I mean, all these different other factors, because if pain was the only marker we used, it's a, it's a red herring. So, I mean, I know people come in and they tell you you're in pain and you're like, all right, well, let me see you move. Well, that hurts. Okay. Well then do not want to do that anymore. I mean, or take this pill, which is what we've done with doctors, right? Which is effectively putting tape over the, the check engine light in your car, which reminds you, I got to change the oil in my car because I just saw the mark, the light. Just put uh, tape on it. Yeah. Just put tape on it. But like that, that's what really, um, and I think with our attitude of like battle the bullshit, we know, and dude, you, you made a point, you know, you were talking about piss poor tissue, you know, people that eat a really kind of crappy diet. And I, and I hate putting labels on that because really no foods are good and bad. It's just, but 
at the end of the day, you can make that claim. But at the end of the day, dude, like if you're going to go and say, hey, I'm going to you know, cook these steaks or I'm going to have some chicken, it's a lot better for you than eating a fucking bag of Cheetos. I don't give a shit what the macros look like. Um, but the one thing that I remember Kelly Starrett talking to me about um, and shit, I mean, I've known Kelly since, you know, when I had my knee surgery, and I was sleeping on his couch when he was just a lonely PT working for uh, uh, Dr. Stone and had a gym that was in a conics box in the, the parking lot of the sports authority. Uh, and I remember Kelly telling me when I work on people, I can really tell a lot about not only hydration, but their diet because of their tissue, how it responds to the work. And when we started talking about diet, he goes, the people that eat this way have a much more favorable tissue for me to work on. Um, they smell different, their breath, they react different in terms of like bruising. And he's like, I can almost pinpoint as soon as I feel somebody, what their diet looks like, what their sleep looks like. And I remember thinking like, that's fucking super intuitive. And, um, you know, and you can you know, uh, argue and say this, this, no, no, these foods, this, but at the end of the day, like, you know, Craig Bueller, who's a, uh, who's a doctor who does the Emmett stuff in uh, Caseville, Utah said the exact same thing. I can work on people and I can tell you within an inch what their diet looks like based on how they react to the movements, how their tissue feels, how their body looks and how their whole structure is. And, uh, for people to say that that's not accurate is, uh, an outward lie. And, um, I'm, you know, and I'll fight people on this stuff that, you know, if you eat the way that we're you know, talking about it and it's not crazy stuff, I'm not telling you that you need to, you know, drink seven gallons of raw, you know, goat milk mixed with eggs. We're like, dude, eat some protein with every meal, you know, eat carbs, um, you know, yeah, support your activity, you know, make sure you eat, you know, saturated and monounsaturated fats and just figure out a total caloric load that fits within your body. If you want to go get a, um, you know, basic metabolic rate done and figure out exactly how many calories you're burning and then figure out, you know, start fine tuning this stuff, have an understanding you're eating because, it's just, it, it doesn't seem crazy to me. And maybe it's because we've been talking about this stuff for so many years. But when you start talking to people about this, and I'm sure you have, I mean, if you're working on people and like, God, I can't get out of pain. It doesn't seem to be working. Really? How much are you sleeping? Oh, wow. You only sleep three hours a night. Wow. You drink 27 cups of coffee because you're so tired because you don't sleep. Uh, you know, you eat one meal and it just so happens that you haven't eaten all day. So you're so hungry. So you go eat 7,000 calories mm. of just random shit you pull out of the fridge and then you pass out. And then, you know, like, it, it's like you start playing these things out and repeating it back to you. You're like, does this sound like the type of behavior that would necessarily facilitate um, fixing an injury? So let's say I'm hungry, John, and I decide to microwave and melt ice cream. And I pour that into my Fruity Pebbles just to hit my macros. Is that weird or is that not weird? I'm going to take I'm, your silence. I'm, with I'm trying to. <laughs> no, I mean, is, is it weird? I would say yes in our circle. But in westernized culture in America, there is somebody who's doing that right yeah, now. Yeah, you know really what there is, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is that law called? Like, if we can if, conceptualize, well, it, it's like been done. So, so case in point, I don't know if uh, the, the the listeners don't necessarily know me, but um, I'm big into um, I, I like cars, I like trucks, I like you know, like metal, I like to fabricate, I like to weld, and I like to build shit. And uh, I remember talking with my neighbor, and we were uh, he was asking me, he has a '59. Chevy Viking, and he has a, a foot thing that you stomp on that starts the car. You turn on the key, and you stomp on this thing, and it hits, and it starts off the foot. Ooh, I like that. And he's like, they only made it for this for this truck, and we can't find a way to like update it because the starter's in the wrong place. And I'm like, he's like, do you think that they have? And before he said anything, I was like, yes. You do. I was like, if you thought about it, somebody has already done it, and I YouTubed, and I found that this dude was doing it off of micro switches. Huh? And my neighbor's 59, and he's like... He's like, it's like you're like a, a wizard with this stuff. And I'm like, just because I know how to use the internet and I learned how to Google stuff from Luke Summers, it's like magic. And 
I think the problem becomes is that um, and maybe you need to increase your sarcasm a little bit, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing. Like, when you bring people in and be like, okay, so let's get some behavioral stuff. And I, I do it with all of our consults and a lot of people we run into. Like, we just had a, a post on one of our things where this guy's like, these workouts seem kind of short. Uh, it, you know, what else are you guys doing? If you think that these workouts are short, you're obviously not going hard enough. You're not going heavy enough. And uh, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, people fail at the margins of their experience, to quote, to quote Greg Glassman. And, um, you know, the only way that you're going to extend that is if you can extend your experience, extend your circle, or as Harry always talks about, increase your genealogy. So, like I told you, I'm not a talker. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe let's touch on one more thing here uh, to, to start wrapping some things up on. One thing I'm curious about them. All right. You guys get a mastermind. Five people. Dead or alive, who's in it? Based on everybody you've interviewed, talked to, and just anybody else you know that's out there. Who are you going with? What's the uh, yeah, what's mastermind the for what? For yeah. the topic? You're, you're, what? You just want to you want to be able to pick up your phone so, and just call somebody. You have a question on whatever. Doctor Tom, Bill Brasky. Ooh. Don't you think? Yeah, Bill. You gotta need Brasky. Yeah, no. Well, you need the Bradley. And then do you throw Andy Stumpf in there? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. So what you do is you throw Dr. Tom. Because you need protection just right, in case. No. No. So so you have Dr. Tom. Uh, so you throw Dr. Tom in there. You throw, uh, I think, Brasky would be good. I think Andy Stump would be good. I think Rob Wolf would be good. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the only Mueller, other. Anyone? Rudy Reyes. <sighs> I don't think it's a party without Rudy Reyes. <laughs> and then I'll have Rudy Reyes. Because we want to be. So Brasky handles any sort of business con. Concepts. So our, our buddy. Dr. Tom handles health. Right. Yeah, Andy. Rob is, uh, dumbs it down for us. Well, Andy contracts and protects us, and then Rudy just makes sure we, you know, spiritually we're aligned. I think that's a great. I, I, Rudy's the director of fun. I thought Callie was the director of fun. Uh, is Callie in there? No, she's no. just part of the crew. She's already no, part I, of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking yeah, like yeah. outside of your. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have that. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I have a, a, you know, people that, uh, you know, I can call. If I have a question on things, and um, realistically, um, you know, Rob is, is is at the top of that list because Rob is Rob Wolf's interesting in that Rob is one of the smartest people I've ever met, and his understanding of high level things is is very adept, but yet has the ability to relate them in such a common way, almost like he, Luke said, dumb things down that just blows my mind. And um, he's also still an athlete. So he well, he was a high school powerlifting champion, and he well, reminds me of all the time. Jiu-jitsu, he applies yeah. it. Did he set a state record or yeah, something? Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, I, you know, and uh, yeah, and he's uh, he's into jits. Um, uh, you know, Tom Inkladon, who um, I just learned uh, just got his fourth PhD um, in 2010, which blew me away because I've known him for like 20 years, and I didn't even know that he got a PhD. And when he asked, he's like, "Oh yeah, I did it on the weekends." I was like, and he would be kind of the progressive, outside the box, never quit thinker. If shit went, you know, sideways. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the the reason that um, years ago when I met Tom, his ability to take any problem and apply anything and everything to solve the problem was like nothing I'd ever seen. To the point where, uh, you know, I can I know I can call Tom with just about anything, and Tom will find a solution for that. Um, he's really good. And then I think you have to. Uh, uh, the only other person I would add to that is Roger. So Roger is uh, our he's like our second father. I w- I would call him uh, uh, kind of the uh, the godfather. He's of, like a papa bear. Yeah, for for power athlete in that Roger is a 30 plus year uh, union pipe fitter and welder and like tradesman. And uh, Roger's claim to fame is Roger's so good at fixing stuff, he has tools that fix tools. And uh, <laughs> like Roger, like 
so so like Luke got his bike stolen and he like hit up Roger and he was like, Hey Roger, can you help me make a bike? I don't want to have to go buy one. And so what did Roger do? He's like, yeah, no problem. So what did Roger do? He went and bought Luke a bike and he's like, dude, the amount of time that would take us to make a bike, I'll just buy you one. And like Luke's like, I can't believe Rogers bought me a fucking bike. I can yeah, buy my I own bike. I could have done that. Yeah. Uh, like or, 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 or like, so like when we had, uh, like, uh, we moved into an older house, we bought this bitch in like mid century six, like late, late fifties, early sixties, Newport home. And we had some problems. And like the first person I called was Roger and Roger was like, uh, um, so I was away on vacation and there were some issues with the uh, AC. So my wife called this AC people to come and like, you know, clean the AC and service it. So the guy shows up and tells my wife that the AC is leaking. It's bad. It's going to poison everybody. And that if she signs a contract for $10,000 to fix it, he'll fix it right now. But they got to sign right now because if not, it's going to be 20000 So my wife calls me. And she's like, I have to sign this contract. And I'm like, what? And she's like telling me and I'm like, no, don't do anything. And she's like, well, the guy said, and she's like freaking out. And I'm like, hold on, let me, let me conference Roger in. So I conference Roger in and Roger's like, Kate, kick that motherfucker out of the house. I'll be over there in 10 minutes. And so literally Roger drives over there, brings his buddy who installs ACs. And the dude was totally sharpening my wife. And like, that's the guy. So I think in terms of like lifelines, I got, I got, uh, I'm kicking out Rudy and I'm taking Roger. I can, cause Roger's also a spiritually guided man who can provide insight and shit like that. But yeah. so I don't know. Does that answer your question? It and I, Dr. I Tom knows how to party. So That's true. I, oh, he's the, also the, the director of fun, dude. <laughs> so we're not missing anything. Well, uh, uh, Dr. Tom has a cute fashion sense. So this guy is a world class medical professional. But when you put him in a social setting, Nick, um, it, you will see rhinestone jeans, you know, acid wash <laughs> and like shredded. And then, uh, you know, like lots of um, tattoo uh, like Von Dutch shirts or what, what were they? What are those? Well, Ed Hardy shirts? Well, no, he's uh, I don't even know how to explain it. He uh, they're fake tattoo shirts. Yeah. He, he has spandex shirts that look like fake tattoos. And the only reason he likes them was that uh, he was somewhere and he saw them and they were like 500 bucks a piece. And then they were like a year later, they were on Amazon for like, you know, you know, 50 for $10. And he was like, oh, those are those shirts. And so he bought them and he, he has them and he wears them. And like I saw him the other day and I was like, Tom, I'm like, dude, you can't wear this. People are going to think you're fucking with them. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're wearing true religion, true religion jeans with rhinestones and white stitching. And you have a black and white paisley shirt with purple collars and like purple cuffs. He's like, what? I love this outfit. I'm like, God damn it. Good thing you got 170 IQ. Wait a minute. Does Dr. Tom dress like Ric Flair? Is it possible that that's his um, like fashion? No, no. Do you remember Night at the Roxbury? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah you oh, remember yeah. like back in the like like yeah. like uh, uh, yeah, Will no, Ferrell yeah, and no, no, yeah, yeah, no, Chris Cattain. Yeah, like me, that's you, what I feel. Yeah, yeah, me, 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 me. he. That's what. I, or actually, he looks like the dude that's trolling people. I assume I'm like, are you trying to fucking troll people? Because if you are, it's genius. And he's like, what are you talking about? So sounds like you're getting trolled, John. Mm. Well, that's what we're big on. We're always looking to get trolled. So. Long story short. I like it. I like it. Uh, last few things I always ask before we kind of find out where we can find out more about you guys. Big, I, I usually ask people, who would you want to hear on this podcast and what, what is it you would want to hear them talk about? But since you guys have your own podcast, I want to either know who you haven't had on that you're just like really – We haven't had the rock. the rock. We have not had The Rock on. So our goal and the whole reason we started this podcast <laughs> was to somehow get The Rock on. And I think the other reason was we're close uh, though. Yeah, we know we're close. And also, Luke was trying. Uh, Luke's ulterior motive was to try to get me to go on Joe Rogan so yeah, I could yeah. battle Joe Rogan. Uh, but unfortunately, I've listened to his podcast, and I don't think we would be actually battling anything. You'd just I mean, be agreeing. I, yeah, it's which probably wouldn't work. I mean, I like to hunt. Uh, he's into Porsches. I like Porsches. Um, he uh, he likes to lift weights. He likes to fight. 
Uh, the only thing he does, he smokes a lot of weed. I don't smoke weed, but yet I'm not against people smoking weed. I think if, uh, if, if we can effectively regulate and legalize smoking of cigarettes and drink alcohol, what's the problem with marijuana? Yeah, smoke, smoke them up, Johnny. Yeah, but I, I don't smoke weed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I mean, it's really not my deal. Um, he likes to lift weights, uh, mm-hmm. he, and he's funny because he's sarcastic. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he likes guns and he likes to hunt shit. So like, how could you necessarily be at odds with that guy? Yeah, so those are two, two people who are on, or within striking distance, I feel like. So, but, Tex, who is there? Anyone more under the the unicorns that ooh, we're trying to? Uh, do you know who I would love to get on the podcast just so that we could hear some uh, really interesting, crazy statements? Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to get Trump on just to ask him some really interesting questions, and uh, and then you know why? Because um, I love his responses on things. Like people ask him ultra specific questions, and he'll be like, "I don't know. It sounds like a lot of words, and I got wonderful words." I got so many beautiful words, you wouldn't even believe how many words I have. So next question. He's not a talker? So, like, do you remember the whole thing where, like, you know, he supposedly, like, was, like, you know, uh, talked to that guy about grabbing the chick's pussy, remember? And people were outraged about that. Did you actually listen to it? Yeah. Uh, Billy Bush? Yeah. Do you remember, like, the guy kind of go to them into it and, like, kind of get him and he made that point? Um, it sounded like a 10 year old kid lying about having sex with girls, like, you know, read the penthouse letters and he's trying to like lie to his buddies. Like every time I hear Trump, he sounds like a, like a 10 year old kid, like trying to impress people people with like these kind of lies. Um, and then the hilarious part is he convinced the American people that he was one of the people. So he's the billionaire of a billionaire's son. So he's the billionaire. He's a billionaire's son. who's a billionaire. What comment about him? And yet he convinced people that he was like of the salt in the earth and he was going to drink. I'm like, dude, I want this dude on our podcast. I'd also like to talk to Paul Ryan about fitness. Cause I know he's a big PX 90 guy. So I'd like to get him on. Um, I might actually have an in with, uh, I, I would love to have him on. I'll tell you who else I, I would really enjoy. Uh, who else would I like to get on? Oh, I'd like to get on. Um, who's the, uh, Oh, uh, Shit. Well, I, I got oh, one. How about Neil deGrasse Tyson? We, oh. Neil deGrasse Tyson, that's Callie's dream. Uh-huh. Uh, I do got one that John will agree with, Anders Erickson. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, so yeah, peak, yeah. And uh, he defunct the 10,000-hour rule, and Gladwell kind of misinterpreted his research. Yep. So he's actually the uh, uh, forward thinker for deep practice, and uh, Dan, I'd love to uh, get expert, him on. Uh, Dan Coyle, who I did a speaking Dan engagement Coyle. Uh, with. I would, I, you know what? I Like an idiot, uh, I sat. And I had been having drinks with these dudes from Naval Special Warfare. So when Dan Coyle came over, I had had like five drinks. I was kind of a fucking asshole. And I should have been like way more friendly and got his number and got him on the podcast. But I wasn't thinking like that. So that was kind of a fuck up. Uh, Um, We've also reached out to Daniel Pink, author of Drive, uh, Motivation 3.0, right? Well, uh, we we did have, which is ironic, we had on uh, who contacted us. Um, the guy from born to yeah, Google. Oh my God. Born to run. Uh, we got an email like, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. And we were like, really? And amazing podcast. One of the better people. I mean, we, we had, uh, you know, one of my childhood favorites and heroes who just passed away, Fred Hatfield on numerous times. Um, so that was a big one. I mean, I would have loved to have had George Angus on the podcast. We, we had my dad on, um, but just, um, I, I think with the, the state of what's happening, I think Trump, and Paul Ryan would be by far would the two people I would want to have on. So or talk to me, Johnny Live. So oh, well, and Rudy Reyes, <laughs> which we're we're going to have Rudy Reyes. I don't necessarily know in what meeting we're going to have Rudy, but we're going to have him. So talk to me, Johnny Live is Luke. How would you describe that versus the Power Athlete Radio? Unscripted, uncut, unfiltered, just live discussion roundtable. I mean, it is uh, like I guess the bar stool of 
Well, no, because it doesn't uh, even no, go into training. It's, it's just whatever it's, John. It's, it's more um, like what's the uh, the car karaoke thing where uh, that that dude's driving around singing karaoke with with famous carpool people? karaoke. Carpool, yeah, it's kind of the carpool carpool karaoke without, without the, the car or or without the, the singing. <laughs> yeah, so similar deal. We're just but like I would love to actually do the talk to me Johnny live of us driving around doing carpool karaoke. I don't know if Luke can do that. He doesn't have the technology. The Does technology, the technology exists, doesn't exist. We just got to get a big spindle or wheel of wire and we'll just stay plugged in at all times <laughs> well you gotta do it so, where, like you start doing uh what was when uh, what was his name he drove around the taxi in new york city uh was it, it was like the tv show oh, what's Seinfeld? what was it getting coffee with comedians is that oh, taxi dude, cab uh, confessions I, I, I do like seinfeld's uh driving around with comedians i, I watched that with him i mean one uh, uh as a car person jerry seinfeld has by far the most amazing extensive uh porsche collection on the planet like his porsche collection is 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 phenomenal and getting to see his cars is really really cool so uh yeah i mean i I mean i always think too are you thinking a cash cab yes that's what i was thinking yeah cash cab sorry (laughs) Hmm. no i mean uh um you know what's what's been kind of neat is um when we started i mean the podcast has allowed us to increase our genealogy and really our concept. Like we talked to, uh, um, Brett Bartholomew last week and, uh, dude, uh, kindred spirit. Like, yeah, uh, he, yeah. he also, uh, hit me up and is busting your balls for not following me on Instagram after you promised the viewers that you would. Dude, have I not followed him on Instagram? No. I'm following him on fucking Twitter. Well, Brent we all know the only bare, thing that matters. Bare naked health podcast listeners. You are listening live <sighs> as John Wellborn opens up his Instagram account gets off of fitness girl butts and is now following Brett Bartholomew at coach Brett underscore B. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I got him. Uh, Author author of conscious coach. So if uh, any of your listeners are interested in kind of the art of coaching and the art of buy-in, so it's no, no real X's and O's or reps or sets or any of that. It's kind of the, the second level coaching. It's genuine. Okay. I'm following him now. Oh, he's fucking coach, speaker, consultant, lifelong student, and author. Dude, he's amazing. Okay. He's <laughs> so in. there you have it, Nick. So um, um, it no, is I mean, a really good book. Like I've listened to him speak a couple times now, like on your show, but others, and he really has done some awesome stuff with that too. Oh, yeah. His, uh, you know, not only who he's worked with, his journey, and just, you know, his high-level kind of thinking and um, has been really, really cool. I mean, but, you know, he's been in some really great situations, you know, working at Exos and having, you know, some military contracts and working with different schools and kind of how he brought up in it. I mean, he uh, he's definitely, um, you know, has the pedigree uh, to really back it up. And, you know, he's a super deep thinker and uh, really just, you know, dynamic coach in that way. So now we're really stoked to kind of connect with him. But, you know, Ken Ford's another great example. Oh, Ken yeah. Ford would probably be on our advisory committee. Uh, Ken Ford is the head in, of the – In case we have to go to space. Well, he's the, uh, <laughs> you know, the head of the uh, Institute of Human and Mental Cognition. So, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, something along those lines. HIMC. And, um, you know, he's, uh, sits on NASA or NASA's advisory board. We had him on our podcast and, uh, he has, I think multiple PhDs in robotics and for fun, he fights other genius, uh, doctors in like celebrity death matches with robot robots. Wars. Yeah. Robot wars. So I guess these other smart people get together in their backyards and they fight each other to death with robots, which I don't know why that shit's not on the internet to me. That would be way Well, there more was a TV show. It was on Comedy yeah. Central. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they did that. So, um, oh, you know who else, who else we need to get on our podcast? I want to get the dudes from Street Outlaws on our podcast. Oh, God. Right. They have their own podcast, and uh, uh, they seem like uh, they need our help for training. <laughs> so if anybody knows uh, uh, Sean and Big Chief from uh, the um, uh, 
Street Outlaws, dude, we're offering our performance training because I was thinking of how they get to go faster is we make those guys smaller. Yeah, no, that's a no brainer. Because, dude, they are science. They're getting out of shape, dude. So we're going to try to lighten their race cars by helping them get uh, smaller. So, Big Chief, hit me up, bro. All right. Another 15 minute answer to it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, but now, hey, all that we've talked about, everything here, like Texan Johnny, Power Athletes, Q, like, where can everybody find out more about you guys, what you're doing, the, the, the podcast, I mean, everything. Where's the best place to reach you guys at? PowerAthleteHQ.com, and then uh, navigate through there. You know, the big things we got going are the radio. So if you use slash radio, it should get you there. Um, next big thing we got going is our academy. So if you just give a Google to Power Athlete Academy, that's where we're going to push out basically everything uh, that we talked about and how we came to it, well, how the, we came uh, to this information. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Power Athlete's pretty interesting because it's a, really an evolution. Um, I, I talked to a, a pretty sharp lady yesterday, a friend of my wife who's a consultant for a um, you know, Fortune 500 company, and she was kind of asking me a little bit about the journey. And really when I got out of the NFL and was approached by CrossFit about starting CrossFit football, uh, I, I launched this company with the idea that we were going to have this website and training. And then after we launched it, then we had to have a seminar. So I created a seminar and we taught the seminar and had programming. And <clears throat> at some point I realized when I was doing the financials, which I hate doing, uh, I realized that something like 68% of our money was going to travel costs. I mean, some god awful amount. And I remember thinking, dude, this is unsustainable. And there's no way that we can, you know, find people to travel as these guys have known, because we've traveled all over the world to go teach these things. So the problem becomes, uh, if we travel somewhere on a weekend, we're about everybody else. And I wanted the ability to create a bigger ripple. And uh, the ripple that we were creating was a really, you know, big splash, but it was a narrow splash. And then we evolved into Power Athlete, which is, um, you know, our brand that we own. And, you know, the seminars continued, but it became this information resource. And it was about providing the best information on the internet in terms of performance and training and these other pieces. And then I got an email, somebody looking for, you know, what does the training look like? What does CrossFit football look like without the CrossFit? And so I wrote a blog post called the Power Athlete Template. And uh, I gave people the template that I use, which is based off of Retmax's speed work, volume, uh, primals, I mean, all this stuff. And I figured people would just run with it. And instead, all we got was more emails asking for, well, can you program this stuff? So then we offered programming on CrossFit or Power Athlete. And when that got to be too big, we had to partner and we worked with a company, Train Heroic, to be able to provide multiple programs. And so we ran with that vein, and that's really grown big. And the only thing that we kept seeing happen was uh, people weren't, weren't meeting their performance goals because of nutrition. Great. So we added the nutrition division, and we got some really good you know, go-getters you know, working with people not only with uh, providing templates but kind of direction and food and kind of coaching them through it. So we have that piece. And then the next big one came was, um, as these guys know in Texas looking at me because I know he knows exactly what I'm going to say, as we go teach these seminars, people were so um, – Uneducated isn't the word. They were just not exposed prepared. to a. Yeah, they weren't prepared. They weren't exposed to the information that we needed them to be exposed to 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 make this a meaningful experience. And to the, no fault the, of their own, it's just a lot of static. Well, a the, lot of static. Out it's, there. it's because yeah, I mean, like, where are people supposed to go? How are they supposed to glean this information? And so we can sit and talk to a guy like Brett and uh, Bartholomew and have a, a really jiggy good conversation because we're steeping the same information how do we steep other people how do we get them this and without them having to go through this like cane wandering swordsman life of like you know journey to journey learn coach to coach coach to master student deal and uh um really you know text being the guy who's on the ground teaching a lot of seminars and really just steeped in academia um you know we tasked him with like we have to take this to a place where we don't have to come out and touch you we need to like create an online experience that can educate people faster than we can if we show up in person. And if we do show up in person, 
they can sit down and instantly have a meaningful conversation without us having to talk about basic muscle contractions and what you know distal means. And like that piece where was you know two years in the making, and we launched it as the Power Athlete Academy Methodology One. And this, I believe, and I'm not tooting our horn, is um, the best thing out there in terms of educating and getting strength coaches ready because. The problem, and you guys realize this, is that uh, people are getting to strength conditioning and training uh, unconventionally now. So before how it worked was uh, I interned, I learned, and you know I worked in college, I worked here, and then maybe at some point I went and opened a private facility. With the advent of CrossFit and really the empowering of 13,000 people to open own micro gyms, a lot of those people did not come to training in the same way that you know people like Tex or myself did. They come more similar to Luke. I was working a corporate job. I fucking hated it. I went to a CrossFit level one. Uh, I kicked all the, you know, the car out of my garage. I got $3,000 worth of, uh, equipment off of Craigslist and I opened a gym and started teaching people to train. It grew to a hundred members. We got a location and now I have 200 members and I work in this gym and I train these people. Now that's an unconventional way to becoming a strength conditioning coach. So seeing unconventional, uh, unconventional ways of people getting there, we had to create an unconventional way to educate them because they don't have the time to be able to go intern and like walk away from their business and go in and work as a, you know, intern at the University of Texas where they're working with a football program to basically learn to teach people how to do performance-based training, even though probably Texas wouldn't be ideal. We'd probably send you to train with Roth. Long story short, we needed a way to educate these people in real time and get them to the point where we can have an intelligent conversation and we can start building upon these pieces. And so we wanted to create this methodology to really meet this goal. And um, that's what my deal is. I want to I want to change uh, the face of strength conditioning with not only providing and really just disseminating the good information and really bringing to light the principles and just get away from the bullshit. There's so much nonsense out there. And, um, you know, really the pieces of power athlete have really evolved and grown as we've seen a need. People need a direction we provided them program and they needed to know how to eat. We gave them this. They need education. We're going in this direction. They need cool shirts with, you know, funny logos like eat the week. You know what? We'll fucking make those for you too. If you need a kick in the ass, we're going to be here for a kick in the ass. And, um, you know, I, I think there was really no, you know, when I started this thing, there was no clear vision. I want to do this. All I wanted was a simple mission statement to like, battle the bullshit, provide the best information, and more importantly, just help people go faster and not have to stumble so much. And um, that's really where it started. And uh, I think we're doing a good job. Could we do, be doing better? Fuck yeah. And uh, that's what we talk about every day. How do we reach more people? How do we reach more critical mass? And um, that's what we're doing. We're just trying to get out there and, and just kick the door in and get people where we need them to go. So Right on. So it's Power Athlete HQ, right? Yep. Uh, HQ, you can find me. You can find me at John Wellborn. Um, if you do Google John Wellborn, it'll come up. Um, you can find you know Chris McQuilkin and, and Luke, the Luke Summers, uh, right. on all the social Get it medias. Right. Get it tight. Uh, if you can't find us, you're not looking. We're easy to find, <laughs> and we got a shit ton of podcasts. You know, click on just find one, and uh, hopefully, I'm not talking as much as I am here. Uh, well, in order I, for I drank, that episode, go to 209, in which <laughs> John's on vacation. I drank two cups of coffee today, and uh, Matt Vincent sent me his new coffee that that habit stuff. It's good coffee. But, dude, I had uh, – well, when I say a cup, I mean a massive cup. So I had, I think, six double espressos this morning yeah, before 8 a.m. You know, the skull of your enemies. <laughs> uh, so I had six double espressos this morning. So, uh, I'm, dude, I'm rear I'm, – I'm probably going to crash about three, but I'm fucking hot right now. There we go. Awesome, guys. Make sure everybody's checking all this stuff out. It has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, guys, thank you again so much for the time. I had a blast today. You know what, Nick? Thanks, all right, thank Appreciate you. It.
Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you. Mm-hmm.